Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. Dear Damsels, I am divorced and just joined a senior dating app. Most of the men wear baseball caps to cover their bald spots. Their profile pictures are of themselves looking in their bathroom mirror, taking a selfie. Damsels, is there still hope when you get older? Any suggestions for meeting a tall, dark, okay, gray, and cognizant man? (laughs) Thank you. Divorcee on dating apps. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. (laughs) Tell us what's the vibe. There's some damsels in the DM. Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alejandro. This episode, oh my goodness, Aaron Ramsey from You're Such a Catch podcast. Lauren, tell me you are not here for everything that she said. I mean, (laughs) she just has such an unbelievable story. And we met Aaron at LA Fashion Week through Kachita, through Art Hearts Fashion, who were hosting the Fashion Week. And Kachita was basically just like, you have to meet Erin. She has an incredible podcast. She has the most beautiful story. And, you know, we hear people have beautiful stories, like, often in what we do. But her story is just truly remarkable. Everything that she's been through, what she's been able to accomplish through going through everything she went through. It's just so inspiring. And I know that people are really going to get a lot out of today's episode. It was truly a testament of perseverance, of finding oneself, of really healing and taking the time to process really significant events in her life. And the outcome is just so amazing and so admirable. I cannot wait for us to get into this episode. Let's do it. Erin, hello. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And this is so much fun because we met Erin at LA Fashion Week, um, hosted by Art Hearts Fashion, by the amazing Kachita, who introduced us. And I know, she is the absolute best. And when Kachita was introducing us to you, she was like, you have to meet Erin. She has such an amazing story. Like, I know that you guys would all get along, so you all have to do a podcast swap. So we're excited that this is working out, and we want to hear about your story and why you started your podcast and everything that Kachita wanted us to hear. <laughs> well, I don't know how much time you guys have now. <laughs> we'll be here all day. So uh, Kachita is a dear, dear friend of mine and I love her. She is so supportive, which I'm sure you guys felt from the other side too. Absolutely. So, um, so it's funny. I never intended to have a podcast. To be honest, when I started my podcast, I didn't even know what podcasts were. So I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the deal. So I had a spoofy Instagram where I used to talk about um, the dates that I was going on. You know, this is 
probably like 2018 ish. Um, I would screenshot, you know, kind of profiles. I love to write a witty caption and people love the content. And I was really into the self-deprecating humor. So I had all these followers because I think it was relatable, right? People were going through the same thing I was going through and they're like, okay, like she's just willing to talk about it out loud. So one day I get a DM and it's from a woman and she asked me straight up, she said, have you considered turning this into a podcast? And I was like, no, what's a podcast? And so um, we jumped on the phone together and had a great conversation. And she said, hey, look, I want to create a startup business. I want to teach people how to podcast. So if you say yes, I will teach you everything you need to know. I'll help you get the equipment. I'll help you record a trailer. I'll help you, you know, figure out the ins and outs and you'll be like our first client. And so I was like, okay, this seems like a big commitment, but you know, what the heck? Like I'm a huge believer in everything happens for a reason. So I said, yes. And then it was so interesting. So everything started to align. So I was in a corporate job at the time. My corporate job happened to be holding their team meeting in Utah, which is where she lived. So I'm like, hmm, that's a coincidence, but I don't believe in coincidences. I think everything happens for a reason. So, right? (laughs) So she came, she met me at the hotel. Um, We chatted about everything and I extended my trip and went to her home studio the next day to um, sit behind a mic and, and learn. And I remember it's like so funny now because Veronica and Steven, um, they're the pod sound school. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but they're incredible. You should totally follow them. They're full of tons of nuggets. But when I first told my mom, like, oh, mom, I'm going to, you know, extend my trip and I'm going to stay in Utah and I'm going to go to these people's house and record in their city. My mom was like, okay, you're fully going to be like on an episode of Dateline, Erin. Like, you know, <laughs> she was so worried. And I was like, I don't think that's what this is, mom, but like... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, they're fabulous people. So I did that. I, uh, I went home, you know, thought about everything, took it all in and was like, I think I'm going to do this. A couple of weeks later, flew out there, sat at a little cafe, wrote my trailer and the rest is history. Best decision I've ever made hands down. How did wow. you decide on the name? You're such a catch. How did mm. you so it's funny because when we talked about what my podcast would be about, Dating had to be some sort of, you know, theme or common theme because it was, you know, what she approached me on. Also, I think like a huge theme of my life because I'm a big romantic and obviously I want to find love again. But what I often heard, because, you know, everybody always asks, you know, Aaron, why are you single? And then they would say, you're such a catch. And so I just thought to myself, what not a better name to call the podcast? Mm -hmm. Totally. And I also am a big believer that everybody's a catch. You know what I mean? Like everybody has, you know, these unique traits and little idiosyncrasies that make them them. And I think that's beautiful. And I think we need to embrace that more than trying to be like a cookie cutter silo of, you know, something that already exists. Right. Because the implication of the phrase is kind of offensive on its own, right? Like saying you're so great. So you must have somebody because if you were great, then of course, to complete the package, you need another person. Absolutely. And I think that's been the journey of this 
podcast because when I first started, I wasn't sure where I was going. I mean, let's be honest. I still don't know where I'm going with it, but what I can tell you is I spent, you know, my first season really just using the platform to interview dating and relationship experts to, um, you know, it it was kind of like receiving free help. Right. And then like sharing it with, you know, hundreds of my best friends out there. And I loved it, but there was also this aspect of, listening to some of the advice and going, mm, like, I don't really buy into that. Or, you know, I, I dating and relationships is tough because it's similar to like health and fitness. Everybody wants to lose weight and they want to lose weight quickly, right? Well, everybody wants to fall in love and be in love and they want to find it quickly. And I really don't think there is a like quick kind of instant gratification there. And what I've learned and how I've kind of pivoted on my podcast journey is really understanding like the most really most important relationship we have is the relationship we have with ourselves. So that mm-hmm. self-love component is kind of like where it all begins. I like how what you're describing really encompasses what we have discussed on the podcast in the past about, you know, you don't have to abide by every single rule like word for word. You can pick and choose what is useful to you and discard the rest. I mean, not a, and, and just because, uh, you know, something works for s- one person, it's not going to be universally the same for everybody else. And we have different ways that we think. We all have different ways of processing things. We all have different ways of growing from trauma. So, yeah, it makes sense that, you know. Amen. And I think authenticity is so huge. It, it's, it's huge. Like when you have a platform, like I'm sure that's important to you guys too, just like being authentic, being genuine. Um, but I think also in dating, you know, like I'm sure we've all been on a date where somebody's shown up kind of as like the representative of themselves. And it's like, no, I'd rather you just show up as who you are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking about this on another podcast actually this week, because they were asking us like, how is it, how do you create the best dating profile? And we were like, the best dating profile is something that authentically shows you. Because if you're creating this image of yourself that's not going to be representative of you, then you're going to go on the date. Somebody's going to be expecting a completely different person. And then you're not going to be able to have the relationship that you're trying to get out of this. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We know that you were married before, and then you start sharing your dating experiences online. So how did that all unfold? And what was your journey to basically getting to start sharing these experiences? I think I've always been an open book, like at least in my friend group. And I mean, I'll talk to a brick wall. So, you know, lots of strangers (laughs) out there know my story. Um, You know, I made several friends. I'm a huge football fan. So it's not uncommon for me to make a lot of my friends in the parking lot during tailgating. But I think it's important um, to me, and I know it's not as easy for everyone, but to just be vulnerable and to share because I think it then lends to other people feeling comfortable when they go through something and they don't feel alone. And that's kind of been my why behind the podcast. My whole goal has always been if I could help one person, you know, in one way, shape or form or the other, then I've kind of like, you know, done my job. But divorce was really hard for me. So I got married when I was in my 20s. 
Um, it actually, it's funny because talking about it now, it almost feels like a chunk of my life that didn't happen, if that makes sense. Like I've, I'm so far removed from it. And I think I've done so much work on myself. It, it's just interesting to kind of like look back at that time. We were the only two people in our friend group that hadn't taken that next step. We had been dating for about four years and, you know, similar to people asking now, like, why are you single? You know, you're such a catch. People would say, well, when are you guys getting married? Right. I hear it all the time. Right. (laughs) And And it's interesting. And I think like knowing what I know now, obviously I'm like, why did I allow outside influence to, you know, play such a big role in such a big decision? Um, and just for a little, you know, backstory here. So I come from a family who nobody's divorced. I mean, you know, my parents were just in town this last weekend. They were celebrating their 46th wedding anniversary. My grandparents had been married 74 years when my grandpa passed away. So my aunt and uncles on both sides, like everybody's still married. And so it was, you know, I grew up with these great role models and I feel like in a very healthy, you know, household watching two people who, you know, truly love each other and truly are each other's, you know, best friend and, you know, partner for life. And so, um, I, I think I just, you know, I've always been somebody who's kind of, fallen in line with the shoulds, you know, kind of like those societal standards, which I'm very proud of myself for breaking free of that. But at that time, you know, it's, it's what I thought I needed to do. We'd been dating for four years, you know, he felt the pressure, I felt the pressure, and there was really no need to break up. We were great friends. We had a great time together. Um, But I just don't think we had the skill set or tools to really communicate through things. And our foundations were so vastly different. So I came from, you know, looking at and emulate wanting to emulate these role models, whereas he, you know, his parents got divorced at a very young age. Um, you know, there were siblings from multiple sides, like his, his upbringing was just so different. So uh, I can remember sitting at my kitchen table doing like the invitations all by myself and thinking to myself, man, you know, like, is this the right thing for you? But I was so far into it. I didn't want to let anybody down. You know, we had already said to save the dates, you know, everything was already in the works. So I, you know, followed through and we got married and we had a beautiful wedding in Carlsbad and, you know, all the bells and whistles. Um, but shortly after, you know, things just got very, very difficult. I always try to speak highly of him. I hold no ill will or anything like that. Um, but we were just, you know, two different people on two different paths and I'm very driven and it was very hard for me to to assume, you know, all the things that you need to do in a household, as well as as kind of, you know, perform all my job functions and still like be able to have fun and enjoy myself, I guess. But I wouldn't have ever left, I don't think either, because, you know, to me, marriage was such a big deal that it's like you made this commitment and now you do whatever you need to do to kind of uphold that. Well, about three years into it, I came home from work one day and he just said, I don't want to be married and I don't want to have kids. And I, unlike myself, very passive, don't like confrontation, um, you know, consider myself really in tune and in touch with my emotions. But in that moment, something came over me and I just said, okay, then I think you should move out. 
And he did. And so that happened on a Wednesday on by that Friday, he had coordinated moving truck, he had found an apartment, he had done all these things. We had lived together in four different places. Never once had he like taken initiative on any of those things. So for me to watch him do this was very like, you know, I was taken aback. I'm like, oh, so he's capable. It's just, he never felt like the need to kind of be that partner. And it was hard for, for the first year after that. I mean, I had just spent all this money for these beautiful photos. And so I didn't want to take them off the wall. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, I'm still paying these things off. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so I, uh, I kept the home because, you know, I had used my down payment for it and stuff, but it was very hard to walk, you know, throughout the house and see these empty rooms that I thought would be rooms in which I would have kids. And, you know, the one thing that I wish I would have done immediately was seek professional help because mm-hmm. I didn't, I thought I was, you know, strong enough on my own. I thought I could, you know, I, I consider myself a very mentally tough person. And I thought I'll get through this. It's just like a breakup. I'll get through it. But you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And so for anybody who is in that boat, like I would suggest from the jump, you know, getting some professional help, whatever that looks like, you know, to you, but um, yeah, therapy is a savior. You know, I had to have uh, a conversation with a girlfriend and she, she basically sat me down about a year after I was divorced. And she said, what are you going to do if you meet somebody and you want to bring them back to your house? And he, you open the door and then here's all these wedding photos and you know, <laughs> like valid, good point. I was able to take those down and really, you know, start my healing process. And so I had nothing, you know, holding me back. I was in a great career, but I'm willing to take a risk. And so I moved to LA and that's really when I started to date. And I'm so glad I made that decision to, to, you know, kind of start over with a fresh chapter. What do you think changed in the four year period where you were dating between how everything kind of crumbled when you actually got married? Mm. I think, um, and I want to say this the right thing again, being respectful full to him, but I think things that were fun for me in my early twenties, like let's say going out and drinking, you know, and, and partying, um, knowing that we had to both be at work the next day or whatnot. I think I could do that in a controlled manner, meaning I could go out, have a great time. I am, I consider myself very blessed. I don't get hungover. (laughs) I don't know how you do that. (laughs) I I don't know either, but it's like this big joke in my old um, corporate job because, you know, we used to have to actually go out for work and we'd be out to like, you know, three in the morning and then have to be downstairs by 7am. And I'd come down, you know, with my hair freshly blown out and full makeup ready to go. And everybody else is like, what just happened? Those things were so fun in my twenties, but then at a certain point, I'm like, okay, you know, where do we go from here? And I think it was very hard for me to witness um, him not wanting to kind of progress from that stage. So things that were hard for me to um, cope with were like, 
we'd go have a fun night and then he would want to call in sick the next day at work. And then he wouldn't, you know, um, want to contribute around the household either. And so I just felt like all the weight was like on my shoulders and I consider myself a little bit old fashioned in the sense that like the type of man that I want to attract, I want to him to be like an alpha male in a sense, like I feel, you know, safe and secure. And he kind of carries himself in a way where he's, you know, like the man of the house, but like, also we have a respectful partnership, if that makes sense. And I don't think I had that in, in my marriage at all. I just think we were young, you know, I just think we were young. Um, but what I will say, and if I ran into him on the street, today, I would honestly tell him from the bottom of my heart, like, thank you, because him coming to me and saying that, you know, he didn't want to be married and didn't want to have children was like a gift because I get a second chance at love. And, you know, I probably, like I said, would have continued, like, I don't think I was happy in that situation, but I felt like this obligation to uphold those commitments that I made. And he gave me an out, you know, and I, I took it. <laughs> you mentioned the usefulness of therapy, but I'm curious, what were some other resources that you were able to take advantage of in trying to cope and move forward? Mm, it's a great question. So, I mean, early on, I, I didn't go to therapy and I mean, I have a history of things that I've tried to use therapy to, to help me with, but I think therapy is something you have to be ready for and you have to be open to. And I think if you embrace it in that regard, it'll work wonders. But if you go and you sugarcoat or downplay or aren't fully transparent, I don't think it's going to do what it you know, can right. do. Um, totally. Yeah. So, so yeah, I did not, I did not seek help for a very long time. My resources and, and what I kind of relied on were my friends and not a lot of them had been divorced at that time. I, I felt like I was really like a black sheep almost, you know? Um, cause I think, you know, I think I was divorced by 30 um, like around and the unique weird thing is you guys, and I don't know how this happened, but the day we got married is the exact same day. Our divorce was finalized. Is that wow. nothing bizarre. happens coincidentally? Like you said, yeah. I know I was like, okay, interesting. Um, and, and I got happy anniversary. Yeah. And so it's like funny when that date passes on the calendar now, it, you know, I don't feel any sort of which way about it. It's just like, oh, now it's just become another day. But yeah, I mean, I relied on friends and, um, my family, obviously like my, my parents were wonderful. My brother too. I mean, God bless my brother. So my brother is actually younger than me, but I feel like he's an older brother, you know? So he stepped in and kind of did a lot of those things that I was used to having, you know, kind of male support around the house. And, and that was really important to me as well. When I moved is to relocate to somewhere where I was close to family. And so thank God I manifested this job. It's like a mile from my brother's house, wow. and like everything all worked out and we still live five minutes apart from each other. Um, so that's been wonderful. I've read a ton. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I also have this new, just deeper understanding of like the law of attraction and um, manifestation and just a different mindset. Once you change your mindset, everything else kind of falls into place. Instead of like 
woe is me, why did this happen to me? Like, what did this teach me? And I think even that exercise, just performing it within myself, journaling um, has been hugely helpful. Love journaling. Anything with a pen and paper, I'm just like 5,000%. (laughs) (laughs) So you moved to LA after this divorce and you start dating. I want to hear about like what jumping back into it was like, and then also at what point you're like, other people should hear about this. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I had never been on an app before and then I moved here and it's a completely different scene, right? I mean, I was living in Manhattan beach, you know, I was going out there, going out in Hermosa. This is way pre-pandemic. So I was meeting a ton of people in real life, um, which is my preference. And I'd love to hear your guys' take on that. And at that time, you know, just trying like Tinder. Um, I don't think Hinge was a big deal back then. Bumble was maybe like, you know, um, on the up and coming. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, I said yes to almost, almost everybody. And because I felt like I was really out of practice. So after my, my marriage, I did have kind of a long-term relationship with somebody who was like a friend who morphed into more than a friend um, that didn't work out. And so then it was like, I, I just felt like I needed to kind of explore like 31 flavors. Like, you know, like, Baskin Robbins. <laughs> I was like, what's my Rocky road? Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just felt like I needed to kind of like explore and see what, what does Erin really like? Because Erin was really lost. She didn't even know like her favorite color or, mm. you know, where she wanted to go to lunch or, you it know, must be pink. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because to everybody else, it was just like so obvious. But to me, I just had lost myself so much, you know? So but there was a so lot. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that, that makes sense given what you've described as far as like, okay, like it's, I just got to make it work. I got I to gotta push through. I got to align myself in accordance to X, Y, Z. And along the way, it's like, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Sorry to no, I mean, I mean, I'm glad you you see it and can point it out because it is interesting. And like, I never want to do that again, you know. So obviously, I was very like codependent. Um, I don't think I had healthy habits, and I'm, and I, I now know kind of what to attribute that to. But at the time, I couldn't put the pieces together. So yeah, there was a lot of exploration. I think too, you know especially as a woman out there dating, there's kind of like this stigma. Here we go again, talking about shoulds and all of this, but, you know, even around like, you know, intimacy with other people and, you know, should you sleep with them? Should you not? When do you do that? When is it okay? And I feel like I just had to like break down these barriers and just go, okay, let's throw everything out. Like what works for Aaron at the time too, my job was a traveling role. So if you guys can imagine, I I can't even believe I used to do this. I used to leave on a Monday, come back on a Thursday or leave on a Tuesday, come back on a Friday. So I'd always be home on the weekends, but during the week I could be in a multitude of different places. So in and out of airports, rental cars, hotels. I mean, I'm talking, it was so bad at one point. I remember taking the elevator up to like the 15th floor and going, getting off and being like, oh, 
this is not the floor I'm on because the last night I was in the 15th floor in a different city. Tonight I'm in the eighth floor. <laughs> you know, it was just, a, it was a mess. The so, pandemic must have been a blessing for you. Oh my God. I had never spent so much time in my home before. I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. <sighs> To wake up in your own bed each day. This is what it feels like to not live out of a suitcase or have like just always be constant like fight or flight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like literally flight, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was. And and like the thing that was hard about that, it, and there's a ton of perks about traveling, right? Because you can meet people when you travel. However, you're moving from city to city to city, and I was working. But the hardship about dating in that lifestyle is you go out on a date with somebody and you guys have a connection and it's great. And they ask you out again and you have to say something like, after you check your calendar, how's three weeks from Tuesday? And I mean, I think you guys know what happens next because nobody wants to be that patient and kind of, you know, and kind of wait around for that, regardless if it's a legitimate excuse or reason. And with apps, they're already meeting so many people in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was very, very difficult. All right, guys, before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash believe. Again, that's noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. And so I think my, my longest relationship up until, um, my most recent was really only three months, like on and off. And I wouldn't even really consider us have being like boyfriend and girlfriend. We were just, you know, kind of dating each other, you know, um, throughout that period on and off until I realized, you know, he wasn't the right one for me either. And then through my podcast journey, I manifested a man who I really thought was my end game. I really did. And if I showed you guys like my list to the universe, and then I showed you like all these direct correlations, you would be like, oh, you did manifest him. And sometimes I, I question, you know, why things happen the way they do. And, but again, I'm always looking for the lesson. And so I think he, it's just funny. So, so he came to me like literally from the heavens, like it was like, boom, he's here. So one day I get, uh, one day I get a six minute voice note to my email the first three minutes was him introducing himself, all about who he is. Um, Side note, to your email? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll so, voice um, out to your email. Okay. Yeah, so I'll explain. So, so it starts off like that. The second half is, 
I saw your profile on Hinge. Um, I saw you have a podcast. I tuned into an episode of your podcast. I felt like, you know, when you were talking, we were so aligned. We have so much in common. And this is why I want to get to know you. Then had several like things, you know, about why you want to get to know me. Um, And so that's how he got my email because it was, you know, he saw the podcast. He also sent me a um, video to my DM and of herself <laughs> yes uh-huh uh-huh so and if you can imagine so it, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny like thinking about it now because I listened to the voice note ever like before I ever saw the video so I had only heard his voice and I was like oh you know he sounds very intelligent like he, you know he's got a handsome voice and you know it's kind of like a love is blind theme so I liked it I was like oh this is you know unusual And I respect the effort because I think effort is something that always should be, um, you know, given notice to, and it doesn't happen that often these days, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I respected the effort. Um, And then I saw the video, you know, uh, the following day and I was like, oh, you know, he's very handsome and all this. So we, our relationship was built off of voice notes, video messages, um, for like a week up until and you start sending them back yeah mm -hmm. I never I never really thought I never really had like an expectation from it do you know what I mean because I don't know about you guys but I I get a lot of people who reach out to me what in all peculiar ways just because of the podcast and such and I take it with like great responsibility because again, I respect the effort. And so anybody who's willing to like pour out their heart or reach out to me or let me know like an episode touched them or I help them in some sort of way, like I want to reciprocate that and like be in that moment with them. And so I think that's kind of like my initial mindset was like, oh, this person is feeling connected to you. And, you know, I mean, there's no harm in like responding back. And then the more we talked, the more we had in common and the more I was like pulling out my journal and, you know, reflecting back on all these things that I've been, you know, looking for and trying to attract. And I'm like, wow, he possesses so many of them, you know? And then, um, we did a FaceTime call and this is like pandemic when, nothing was open in LA. So you couldn't go to a restaurant. It was like, you go on a walking date or you invite somebody to your house. Yeah. And I just think, you know, um, I wasn't at the stage of like, you just invite somebody <laughs> to your house. No, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So then, um, then we decided to meet up. We had a nice beach date and I just remember us, you know, talking, sitting on a rock on the beach and, everything he was saying just was so aligned that I felt like I almost like blacked out. (laughs) It's like, like, is this happening? Pinch me. And it was great. It was great until, you know, it wasn't great. (laughs) And, and that was tough, but here's the thing, like this go round when I recognized, you know, things that, um, you know, probably wouldn't work out for me in the future or that I wasn't okay with, or, you know, just like that inclination that something's a little bit off in your gut or whatnot, instead of brushing it under the rug and trying to, you know, continue to put a square, you know, peg into a round hole, I acknowledged it and I communicated about it. And, um, you know, it turned out that we just weren't a right fit, 
but great experience because it gave me a lot of confidence knowing like, oh, you can trust yourself again. Because I think anybody who's gone through a divorce, once you have, you know, kind of that experience, you begin to question, oh, am I capable of picking somebody or, you know, being in a relationship with somebody who's a good fit for me? And that I think is also where that need for like outside validation came into play. What I learned also is as women, like we grieve potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was in my mind, not just women. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to explore, explore that more because I was thinking, and and just from my research and reading, um, typically, you know, they call out women for doing that. And I don't think I recognized it in the moment. Um, but I do feel like I know what I want and I feel like he tried to be that person, but if it becomes disingenuous for that person to kind of step into that role, like it's not the trajectory in which they're going, mm-hmm. then, you know, I don't want him to be trying to be something he's not or do something that doesn't feel authentic to him. And so, you know, it just kind of came to a crossroads. And I think too, with the podcast, um, if I'm telling everybody to, you know, love themselves and advocate for themselves, who would I be to be doing something opposing that? The podcast holds you accountable, doesn't it? It's oh like, it's like, you're like, I, I can't do this because I wouldn't advise other people to do this. So I better be doing the right version of this. <laughs> exactly. Well, this, I mean, with all of what you've learned and shared, it sounds like a magnificent time to jump into this letter because there's, well, listeners will find out, but shall we? <laughs> we shall. All right. So we have, dear damsels, I am divorced and just joined a senior dating app. Most of the men wear baseball caps to cover their bald spots. Their profile pictures are of themselves looking in their bathroom mirror, taking a selfie. And that's the only pic that they have posted. One man had a picture of himself hooked up to an oxygen tank. I hope he meets a retired nurse. Another man bragged about his firearm collection. Yikes. I have received tons of messages, but except for two messages, they were smiling emojis. Damsels. Is there still hope when you get older? Any suggestions for meeting a tall, dark, okay, gray, and cognizant man? (laughs) Thank you. Divorcee on dating apps. I think this letter is so cute. I love it. This letter is really cute. But uh, yeah, there has to be hope. My God. There's always hope. But I do feel like this goes back to what we were talking about on the podcast, Alejandro Roaring Twenties, about dating apps that... I think people really need to be actually looking at somebody's profile when they're reaching out and actually saying something that's relevant to the profile. Like, I, I hate it when they have these like smiley faces that they're sending, or it's just like, Hey, how are you? Like, I feel like you really should have done your research on the person. Like, just as if, if I was asking somebody to be on the podcast, I would have listened to your podcast. I would have researched you. I would know something about you the same as if I was doing a LinkedIn reach out. I don't think dating apps should be any different. I think that you should have studied the person's profile, not studied it, but you know, given it a, a, a reasonable, reasonable glance that you have decided you're interested in reaching out to this person so that you can say like, hey, I see that you love dogs. I have a poodle. Like, what kind of dog do you have? Or, you know, just something that shows that you put in some research. I feel like that's such a 
pet peeve to me on these dating apps. It's such a missed step. I remember when I was on the dating apps, I would do exactly that. I would try and engage a person in a conversation based on whatever information was in there. But at the time, I remember I was, I felt, I felt out of place because there really wasn't ever a response. I, I, it was either like nothing in response or it would just be like a weird sarcastic remark or like making me feel like I was the odd one out for trying to make a conversation about something that pertains to their lives. So I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that, but it just made me laugh because I was reflecting like as you were talking, like, damn, like I tried that, but that shit, I don't know if that works. <laughs> That to me is that effort piece. You know what I mean? Yes. Anybody who puts forth effort because anybody can say hi and anybody can send, you know, an emoji or whatever, or say, oh, you look great or whatever, you know, some sort of physical, you know, attribute compliment. But like when you actually pay attention and it is when somebody does that, that I'm more likely to respond because I'm like, oh, they're not just on a swiping frenzy mm-hmm. or taking the time to say something. But the thing that I love about this letter is talking about, you know, um, men and and the choices of what pictures they use yeah. and such. I don't think that's synonymous of just older dating. I think that I mean that's in any demographic, right? Mm-hmm. And and I wish there was some sort of um you know, guide for, and I'm, I I feel like I'm beating up on the men and I I don't mean to, because I'm sure it happens on women's profiles too, but interesting photo choices. Sometimes I'm like, what you get, you know, a finite amount of photos to include, like, why are we including these three? (laughs) We're not asking for professional headshots either. Exactly. (laughs) No, I don't want to play Where's Waldo. You know, (laughs) I I don't want to do that. Um, But you also don't want to be distracted by the heap of clothes up in the corner. Like, right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You can tell a lot from a photo. So yeah, I mean, it's just very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, how many times have you said to your friends like, oh, here's a photo of him, but trust me, he's better in person. And why is that? It's because they can't take pictures. Like they they just put up these pictures where they don't look good. It almost like at this point, I'm like, oh, if he has a great Instagram, then I don't trust him because like the expectation <laughs> is that they should not have a good Instagram at this point. But yeah, I mean, I think that there's always hope. Part of me wonders, and Aaron, I know you touched on this, that you think in person is so much better online. Like, what other resources are there to go meet people? Um, If you're not somebody who wants to go to a bar and, you know, you haven't had luck on the apps. Yeah. So it's interesting now that we can go back out in person, right. And not have to be out without masks. So it's funny that, that you asked this because I was just having a conversation with a single girlfriend the other day. And I said, we need to be taking advantage of this time because we complained about not being able to meet people in real life for so long. And now that we have this, um, opportunity back, like we need to be, you know, taking advantage. And I think the most important thing, it, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're at. I mean, I definitely think there's ways that you can set yourself up for success of um, coming across somebody who's going to have shared, you know, commonalities, hobbies, that type of place or thing. Um, But I think it's being really, truly present and approachable. So oftentimes people will say, oh, I met somebody when I was on vacation. Well, why is that? Because your energy Mm -hmm. is good because you're not worried about having to run from here to there or what's next on your to-do list or, you know, stopping by the grocery store before you go to so-and-so's house for 
or whatever, you know, commitment, it's like, you're truly present and in the moment. So when you're having dinner, you're not, you're not necessarily like, you know, having that stress, you just put off this like good energy and you're at a slower pace in the sense that you can entertain a conversation with like the person behind you in line or whatnot. And so I think that's just a miss in our day-to-day lives because we're so wrapped up that we don't even consider, oh, I could meet somebody, you know, at Gelson's when I'm in the checkout or whatnot. For me, you know, being that I love sports and such, like I'm always on high alert at football Mm -hmm. games because I'm like, this is something that I want my person to want to do with me. And so if I can meet somebody there, like it's a win-win, they already enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's like, you know, um, and I think, I think also there's a missed opportunity because I don't know how you guys feel, but I think like either party should be able to approach a conversation. Mm. And I think sometimes there'll be a moment where you notice somebody or you guys maybe make eye contact and whatever it is in us as humans, like being fearful of rejection or, you know, whatever it makes us not initiate conversation I think we need to like let that go because what's the worst that can happen we meet a new friend they say they don't want to talk to us I mean has that ever happened to you typically when somebody approaches me like I fully welcome it and maybe it's not a love connection but you know I'm never opposed to adding another friend and I just think why don't we act upon those things like something caught our eye for a reason and instead of it being like a Craigslist missed encounter (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't have to be, Um, but we don't take those opportunities, you know, I agree 100%. I've been in a very long relationship, but I am always still open to talking to anyone because I don't think that everything needs to be presumed romantic just because somebody is approaching you. And it always bothers me that like, there's that, you know, stigma around people coming up to people. Cause I feel like anybody should be able to be friends with anybody or just like willing to have a conversation. But I love what you're talking about because it also makes me think that that's why so many people meet people at bars because your guard is kind of down. It's sort of like a safe space to meet people. People are happy. Usually people are, you know, having a few drinks, they're a little tipsy, they're more bold to go meet people. But I think that that's such a good point. Like, how can you maintain that energy about yourself that you get from being at drinking or at a football game or on vacation, just about your aura all the time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't even know if it's possible. I mean, I mean, probably not. (laughs) I know in my energy is really good. And I, and I think that's too being like self-aware. So if you're, you know, kind of writing that energetic high, then make sure you're out and like, don't be locked up in your house. Like, you know, and it doesn't have to be something grandiose either. I mean, I could go take a, you know, beach walk or something. I mean, you just never know. And I think on the subject of hope, that's what people need to kind of cling on to, right? Because all it takes is one, all it takes is one encounter with the right person and it changes the rest of your days, right? I mean, it's all it takes is one. And um, I think sometimes we get so bogged down in the apps and, oh, you know, that's draining and the conversations and then, you know, the negative things that come with that ghosting and, you know, I mean, you guys know all the kind of hardships that come, come with that, but if you can kind of just separate yourself from that and treat that as a tool to create efficiency, 
um, since your time is valuable. And then in your time when you are out, truly try to be present. I think it, I think it's a game changer, not even just in dating, but just in life, you know? Oh, Aaron. I love everything. Such a joy. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, you guys are oh amazing. God, oh my God. Can't wait to Seriously. keep up with your podcast as well. On yes. that note though, can you please share with our listeners how we can stay updated on everything you're doing, where we can find your content? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm at your such a catch. So it's Y-O-U-R-E, such a catch on Instagram, all social media platforms. And um, my podcast is available on all podcast players, Apple, Spotify. I'm taking a little break. I have a idea that I'm trying to pull off for season four. That would be really fun. Um, But I just wrapped season three and I'm going to be releasing some bonus episodes. So I'd love everybody to give it a listen. And if you reach out to me, like I said, I will definitely DM you back. So (laughs) love all the listener feedback. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Erin. And we're going to be going on to Erin's podcast at some point soon. So we're excited to see you all on her podcast during her season four. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.